0: What's up, guys? It's Matt Whitmore here of Fitter Food, and this is, of course, Fitter Food Radio. This is episode number 44, of course. Keris is here. Morning. Morning. Is it morning? Well, just gone. It's just gone. It's afternoon, afternoon. now. But anyway, who cares? <laughs> guys, we've got a fantastic guest on the show today. As always, this guy is has now actually become a personal friend of ours, which is awesome. His name is Paul Watson. Some of you may know who he is. Most of you probably won't. Um, that's because he's probably... Not out there in the mainstream, should we say, although he should be. But we met this guy um, some months ago now at a um, kind of a, a wellness conference or webinar. Uh, uh, Would you call it a conference?
1: Oh, it was a seminar, a seminar. Say, called Her Story.
0: That's it, Her um, Story. Um, look That's out scary. for those
1: events coming up this year.
0: Her Story. Yep. This is the first time we met Paul. And Paul was talking about being mindful and mindset, etc. And just kind of having a general positive outlook on on life. Sometimes me and Kevin always say this, you just get drawn to certain people. And and Paul just had this way with words. You just wanted to listen to what this guy had to say. And, you know, normally, especially me, my kind of like attention span is very, very short. So if I can listen to anybody for longer than 45 minutes, it's definitely a good sign. (laughs) So um, Paul is not a life coach. He's not a a mindset expert as such. Uh, But Paul, hello, first of all. Yeah, Hello. Thanks for uh, having me on your know, uh, you know, podcast. Thanks for joining us, buddy. So, I've kind of like given the listeners a bit of a description of kind of what you're about, which is essentially mindset and being mindful, et cetera. But I'm sure you could inter- introduce yourself a little bit better than I could. So, why don't you uh, take it away, buddy?
2: Uh, hello, everyone. Um, my name is Paul Watson, obviously. And introduce myself. Well, for the last 20 years, I've been a full-time strength and conditioning coach in professional sport. Um, before that, I've done quite a fair bit of uni and um, study, but I've also have done probably every job you could imagine. I've worked uh, practically in every sort of job, every field for, over, the, over my lifetime. Uh, fortunately, from a very young age, even though I'd had a very hard upbringing, I learned the lesson that I had to um, change the way I thought. Change my thinking. I had to learn to become more positive and to appreciate life more, and uh, that's what I've done since. Um, and I find I've picked up all so much useful information over my time that I like to share it with people. Being involved with athletes is different again because it's a full time job and you're there with them full time, and you're trying to get them to perform at their best. I find with people, most of us need um, help, we need our friendships, we need our minds trained so that we appreciate our lives more and we fulfil our lives better as well. So my background academically, I've done quite a bit of study. I've got a diploma in exercise science, a Bachelor of Sports Science, unfinished Masters in Sports Science, a Diploma of Education, Masters of Education in Coaching and also a uh, Business Management Diploma. So I've done quite a bit academically the big thing I find, though, is what I said during some of our webinars is that I'd like to learn from reading, I'd like to learn from listening to people and experts and non-experts. I'd like to crowdsource, which is very easy to do these days on the internet, uh, where the crowds have wisdom, and that wisdom is not to be ignored, and then also um, learn from experience. So that's basically what i've done and where i've arrived at um i'm really big into the mind um we can train it we can change the way we think we can change our thought patterns we can change the structure of our brain which is even more amazing and uh so many different studies and areas that i've uh researched have shown that, and of course, when I've said I like all the sources that I like, I also like the research, but one of the things I've found is there's so much information out there that even the experts can come muddled on it, and what I try to do is simplify stuff down, so it makes sense to us and probably give you guides that life easier and better way to live. That's why I like Harris and Matt, because they take a lot of information on nutrition and exercise, and they put it into simple terms and good programs where can learn and adjust, and you're not just um, becoming getting better habits, you're also learning new skill sets like how to cook better, how to train better. So there's a whole lot of good things happening there as well. So that's basically a bit of my background. If um, I'll leave it over to Matt again to keep going and see where we want to go with this podcast.
1: <laughs> one thing, um, I mean, uh, thank you for uh, that awesome introduction. One thing I wanted to say was um, I was obviously with Matt watching you speak. Is it, can I just
0: clarify, it's just going to be one thing, because you it's our... You always say, Oh, just one thing.
1: Yeah, and then I'll say, like, ten.
0: Ten things. Okay, <laughs>
1: just one and maybe a few other. <laughs> one, one, one
0: of many. Um,
1: what, um, what I really liked about you, Paul, was when we saw you speak um, and you were talking about mindfulness, um, is for years I've, I've sort of known, and, and probably as Matt has, that this is an area that we, we really do struggle with and we'd sort of look towards practices like meditation and um, and we've tried things like apps and um, yoga and, you know, lots of different things to try and make us switch chaff and Uh, you know and sort of empty our our heads a little bit of work stress life stress whatever it may be when I saw you speak you offered some amazing practical advice that people could implement on a daily basis so things that I never thought could be mindful like cooking or you talked about walking meditation would you run through a little bit on um, what exactly how would you define mindfulness to our listeners because a lot of people do think it's some sort of hippie maybe hippie concept that you know you've got to be sat (laughs) cross-legged <laughs> with the there's, there's, oh, there's great, yeah
2: there's some great definitions of mindfulness um, and probably the founder of mindfulness or in the western world john kabat-zinn he probably uh, defined it better but for me it's just being on purpose, being in the moment. So the moment's where it's at. And what happens is we so often these days don't stay in the moment or don't be aware. Um, I read a really good story about Bill Clinton the other day and why he's such a powerful or charismatic leader, or he was. And they say when he's with you, he's mindful. He's just toned in on your voice, your experience. He's listening to you. Now, that is to me is the best definition of mindfulness now some of the practical things that you mentioned there was like walking meditation or cooking or art or when I went through the list of what where we're mostly mindful in everyday lives one of the things that I always couldn't quite understand was the, the attraction of mountain climbing and I've done I've done my share but I've always been quite scared of it but If you're not mindful when you're in one of those extreme sports, you're never going to be mindful. And that is what Mm -hmm. the attraction is because it hooks you in. So anywhere that you are mindful, it gives your brain a rest. It gives you that um, part of the brain where all the chattering and all the demons are. It stops that and it actually makes you more peaceful. It gives you a rest and it gives you a recovery of all all that stress. So basically my definition of mindfulness is just being in the moment and concentrating on it and being on purpose. So that's probably very simple you know
1: and what would you say uh, works for you personally in terms of practicing yeah. mindfulness
2: um one of the big things i always found was when i used to run i used to love um the feeling of it and i always wondered i thought it might have been just the endorphins and all the nice drugs that you get but there was always something deeper than that and i think uh one of the things is uh you've got to take go back to the the moment and see what it was about running that I really loved. And I used to run with my dogs. I never ran with music. I would just stay and I'd mostly be either sand hills or out the beach and just wonder why it was such a great feeling and why I felt so good about it, why I always felt so really, uh, positive after doing it. And it was because it was I got mindful with it. And one of the things of being mindful when you run or walk is you look around, uh, you take in the moment, you see the scenery, you smell the smells, you listen to the sounds the seagulls and the ocean. Dropping against the the, the um, is to me the easiest way to do it, but not everyone's going to run, so you can do it walking. Um, what I try to do too is with breathing. Now, there's a great book called Search, or and a series called Search Inside Yourself, which made by Google engineers. Now, Google only hired the top. Um, people in in the world and this one engineer who's written this and made this course called Search Inside Yourself has the easy way and the easier way to practice mindfulness and I believe that what happens is we get too complicated on so many things and we think that you've got to be sitting, you've got to be meditating, you've got to be doing all this. And I'm sure that works because the Dalai Lama, he'll get up at 4 every morning or 4.30 and he'll do five hours of meditation. But that's not practical for all of us. So my easiest way to do it, taking into the Google Part 2, is just 30 seconds of breathing in and then concentrating on that. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be distracted when you're doing this. Uh, the thoughts, the chattering monkey, or the demons, as I call them, they'll keep flowing in and out of your brain. But what you do is you just, you aren't your thoughts. You just observe them, let them flow through, and just practice that breathing. I mentioned in one of the webinars there's some breathing where they breathe in for four seconds, they hold it for seven, and they breathe out for eight. And I've been playing with that as well, um, especially late at night when I feel like I need to go to sleep. Um, I find that works really good. And I think the four, seven, eight comes from um, way back in India yogis and all that. And I'm not quite sure why those why those amounts work so well but it seems to work well because it sort of controls your breathing and makes you concentrate on the holding your breath but i've got a big one is when you breathe in and you hold it that's life and when you breathe out it's happiness and you just try it yourself and you can do that for 30 seconds every day and that's just like um, say you're starting push-ups you do one push-up a day you're going to get better at push-ups but mindfulness is the same you've just got to start training it and 30 seconds a day is anyone can achieve that. You can do it at any time you feel stressed, and it will give you a little bit of stress relief. It will stop that part of your brain that's always chattering and always working, and it will actually develop the mind and lay down different um, pathways for peacefulness. Hopefully um, that makes sense to you.
1: No, actually, no, one, one of the questions, um, my next question was going to be is was sort of like talking about the benefits because um, we should probably mention you worked with our, um, and you are still working with our online nutrition and health programs because we felt that um, a lot of the barriers that people are experiencing with things like cravings and, um, and wanting to have comfort foods and things is actually more related to the fact that they are incredibly stressed out and changing, as you have just mentioned, sort of like the biochemistry of the brain and, and regulation certain neurotransmitters and down-regulating lots of happy neurotransmitters and hormones so they're seeking comfort in things like alcohol and, and and chocolate and other foods so um in terms of how people could perhaps almost be incentivized to implement these sorts of practices um would you explain just how it how it benefits the body and could change you in terms of everything from your your outlook to your nutrition and your training?
2: Often I'll poor decisions in life and our comfort foods and our rash decisions come from a brain that's overworked and it's got too much traffic happening in it. Um, and the reason that happens is because we tend to multitask these days, we don't stay on one object or one task we try to do many things at once and we also don't um, traditionally in the west know how to shut down our brain where in the eastern philosophy and a lot of the uh, zen buddhism and things they learn from an early age to shut the brain down and give it a rest what happens is once we get tired and our brain gets too um, stressed we don't shut it down and we don't have a rest or a recovery we tend to make bad decisions then and those bad decisions are we have alcohol to Relieve the stress. We eat junk food. We don't um, correctly about how we want to live our life, and it's just because we're so um, connected these days, and we've got so much happening. One of the things I uh, we talked about a bit earlier too was how connected we are. I lost my internet um, for a couple of days over the weekend, and I was a bit lost at first, but it's really a blessing in some ways because you're not constantly uh, having your brain looked at. Um, some mechanical device you're not constantly connected and it gives you time to just get back and to find out what um, is good now one of the things about mindfulness or meditation or is that it stops all that chatter it stops all that neural um, stress and neural fuzziness the fuzziness comes because we get overloaded we multitask which isn't a good thing um, in the latest studies coming out multitasking actually increases the fuzziness and we don't do anything really that well even though we think we can The fuzziness comes from too much overload and that happens in everything. And then we make the bad decisions. So what we need to do is get back to practicing where areas where we recover from the fuzziness, we recover from the stress. We stop the chattering monkey as the Dalai Lama calls it, or the demons as I call it. And so we rest. And this 30 seconds a day is a start and it starts to reclaim your life. Now Get out in nature's my other big one. Nature's just there. You don't have to run. If you feel like running, you can. If you don't worry, you don't have to worry about where you're going. Just get out in nature. If you've got a dog, that's excellent because they'll always take you out. But when you're out there, don't have your phone, don't have music. Just get out there and, and have a look around and just look at the trees, smell the you know, different smells, listen to the different sounds, and be mindful, and that is going to stop. That's a good relief, so it's an easy one to do. So one of the things I suggest also is like if you have meetings at work and everyone's got these busy lifestyles, see if you can have a walking meeting. Get outside and walk for a while and talk and walk rather than just sitting around because sitting is the other big one. We sit so much and we don't uh, get out and move enough. And I know Keres and Matt are really big on the movement, which I really like about their program. Movement is as good as anything these days because um, to me, sitting is the new smoking. It's just killing everyone. We sit too much as well. So hopefully that's...
1: Um, sort
0: of half answered your question. No, absolutely. No, for sure, mate. I mean, because um, I was going to say, I mean, Keris kind of uh, kind of got there before me because I know you mentioned on a few occasions about the webinars that you done. I was going to kind of cl- clarify for everybody that you know, obviously, we were so impressed with you when we when we met you for the first time that you know we we knew that we wanted to get you on board with our plans because I think it's important that people understand that there's so much more to health and happiness than how much training you do and the food that you eat and whilst obviously exercise movement and good nutrition is is incredibly important there's so much more to the equation and for us the, the kind of missing piece to the puzzle if you like was a more positive mindset a more positive outlook on life and, and I know we're obviously talking about being mindful Paul but something we always try and get across and I'm sure you'll agree is, um, is about being grateful as well just for, 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 for all the things that, that you kind of have got that I think at times many people, you know, us included, we're guilty of this for sure, uh, become a little bit complacent with, with all the things that we've got around us. And and often it's it just needs to just take a moment to step back. Like you say, even if it is just for 30 seconds and just say, right, you know what? This isn't all bad. You know, we've got, you know, Keris and I, like, we've got each other. We've got a lovely dog. We've got a roof over our heads, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why we wanted to get you on board was because I think you know don 't get me wrong, whilst we kind of support all of this, I think with our online plans, sometimes people need to hear it from somebody else um, what like what what 's your kind of view on being grateful as opposed to necessarily just being mindful if that makes sense
2: yeah no that 's a great point, and um, thank you for your, your compliments um, you've touched on the thing is we 've all want to be happier. And happiness comes from um, some set principles, I believe. Um, One of them is being grateful. And if you're grateful, um, it goes back to most of the different philosophies. If you're grateful for something, you're on a good vibration and you're bringing more of that gratefulness into your life. If you're appreciative of what you've got, then more of the good things will happen in your life. If you're only concentrating on all the bad things, then uh, the bad things tend to happen more in your life. And it's interesting I've just, I told Matt and Keres that I've just um, bought a puppy, but (laughs) I always think it's strange. When you start thinking about something, you bring something into motion. It generally happens, and that's what um, happens with me with this uh, puppy I've just bought. I started thinking, well, I wouldn't mind. I'll just start having a look and see when I can get a puppy again. All of a sudden, the right puppy's appeared, and I've bought one. Now that's only because I've changed that whole mindset, and I was open to, and I always believed that it's like, I don't believe in coincidences, you know, like when you haven't seen someone for a long time and you start thinking about them that day, then all of a sudden they'll ring or something will happen on Facebook, they'll contact you and it's quite strange and that's not a coincidence, that's you opening yourself up. Now, when we're grateful for things, we open ourselves up for better things to happen. Now, happiness is a learned thing and I really believe that, positive thinking is a learned thing. Some of us are naturally positive, some aren't, but you can change the way you think I had a really um, I was reading a really good interesting book last night and one of the things he wrote about was called the Tetris Effect. It's about the game. it's just a thing they use in uh, the geek world about Tetris game, how you put all the little squares and the boxes into the make rows and the rows disappear and you win the games. But have you ever any of you has ever played a, um, like a PlayStation or an online game and you've played it for ages? You know after, you get off, after you get off that, like say you're playing a shoot-and-up game or a car chase game, like, uh, you know, where you're racing your car, cars around. When you get in your car, you've got to actually make a conscious decision not to drive like you did on the, the video game or, <laughs> <laughs> or, or not start stacking things because that, that few hours you've played a game, that's changed your brain, that's changed the way you're thinking. Now, it's the same as when you being appreciative or you are showing gratitude you're changing the way you're thinking and then you're actually making your brain more susceptible to happiness and being able to um, accept happiness better and be happier now gratitude is the easy one and i talk about mindfulness one of the things i used to do was when i ran i used to go to um one of my mate, i had george's rock who was George was a a good mate of mine who became a quadriplegic. Um, He passed away last year but he became a quadriplegic first year at uni and um, he was that way the rest of his life which um, was over 25 years. And I had a rock out at um, Cronulla where I used to run on the beach. I'd run 4K and I'd touch George's Rock. And George's Rock was always my um, gratefulness rock. And I'd turn around and I wouldn't run. I'd walk for the first five minutes with the dogs. And I'd make the dogs stand on the rock too and get their treats. But that was my gratefulness rock. George's Rock was where I would... Uh, go through all my uh, list of gratitude of everything that was good in my life. And that is one of the other reasons I felt so good on my runs, because I actually practice um, ritual every day. And I don't mind it being a ritual find a ritual where you are, grateful for what you've got and we've got so many blessings and even when you're going through a hard time, there's always good things. If you've got your health, you've got your greatest wealth. So, And in, I always say in these countries like Britain, Australia, US, we are so rich compared to the rest of the world in what we've got and it doesn't mean that we're rich in terms of our society. We're not always that. We're rich in that we've got fresh air, we've got clean water and we've got um, most of us have got enough food to live on. So that's where I think um, your gratitude and your happiness um, go hand in hand.
1: And when you mentioned um, that you can learn positive thinking, and and you actually mentioned, uh, if you you don't mind speaking about this, your own sort of going back to being a child and you sort of taught yourself to think positively. um, How did you sort of go about doing that? And how did you realize that possibly your outlook, not the norm, that's probably the wrong way of putting it, but that you were more, (laughs) more negative than you were positive, as it were?
2: Yeah, I'm not quite sure where it all came from, but I had quite a hard younger life with like a sort of a violent uh, father who I was probably lucky in some ways he left us when when I was 12 and I never saw him again. But I remember being either 6 or 8 and he was quite overweight and... Um, big, I, this is when I remember him when I was really young. And I remember him showing me a um, pocket of a President's Cup team that he played for, which is a rugby league team. And it's quite a high level back then. But he never went on. And I always think, I always remember looking at it and thinking, well, I'd never want to be like him. And it was quite funny because coming from a young age, you normally idolise your father, but I think it was all the violence that I didn't like about it. So I wanted to change. And so I found exercise at that young age and I knew that I had to train and running was an easy one because anyone can run and get away and move and walk and get out. Um, the thing is then I knew that I had to uh, get better Information. if I was going to change the way I thought, if I was going to be different. And I was quite an introverted young kid, and so I used to go off to the library and I'd read and I would buy books and I would just um, try to read things and learn all the time. And it might sound a bit strange, but it was probably my way of dealing with everything that was happening in my life. So the reading, I was lucky. Um, there was a book I remember, I'm okay, you're okay, and there was all different therapy books, but this one was saying that you don't sit around and, you know, like they called it the cocktail party where everyone sits around and someone comes out with a moan and everyone jumps on the moaning and everyone has got a bigger moan, like, oh, this happened to me, oh, this happened to me, and that was the cocktail party theory, and I always remember it saying don't, don't indulge in that. Instead of being negative and jumping on that, be positive think about the good things that have happened to you and so that's what I started to to do and um, the other one was, uh, I think, Dennis Waitley's The Power of Positive Thinking. It um, wasn't the best book on it ever, but it was just a book that really had a, a way of changing your thinking. So that's what I worked on. I've always tried to work on thinking better of people, thinking more positive and trying to change my reaction to everything. So rather than jump on the negativity, rather than be around people and are negative, try to be positive and be around more positive people and have a, like a, it's called a Pollyanna theory, isn't it? If you've ever seen the movie, it's probably... So old now Pollyanna where she always saw the good things and everything that's what I wanted to be I wanted to be a Pollyanna
1: that's so amazing that you actually decided that at such a young age and then trained yourself to have that outlook because like you said I think it's the total opposite today where if anything I'd definitely say this in the UK we look for the worst in people and we're always we actually went to see a comedian this week and he did a brilliant sketch about how um it was the Brits versus the the Aussies and Americans and how we actually head out on a night out expecting it to be rubbish sometimes you know it's sort of like the parking's going to be a nightmare the, the, the beer will be expensive I mean he used different language to me but like, yeah but it was so true and then he said you you know, all the nations are so like, come on, let's have a good time. There's going to be a great comedian. We don't know who he is, but let's let's stay open-minded. And there's definitely a lot of that in the Brits, isn't there? We are quite a negative oh, bunch. Yeah. We? Well, it's funny. we love a moan.
0: You, you were saying about the cocktail party, dearie, but it's almost like if you ever kind of go to a coffee shop and just kind of earwig on the conversations going on around you, most of them tend to be negative they they tend to be moaning about somebody else moaning about work <laughs> moaning about situation and don't get me wrong like, I think you know I, I think it's almost near impossible to be chirpy and happy all the time because you know let's face it shit happens and you know o- obstacles and barriers you know come up and but it's obviously it's how we deal with those that that kind of you know makes us who we are so to speak but then equally you know it kind of reminds me of when When I was kind of like personal training more before kind of like fitter food took off and and whatnot, I used to have like, I won't say any names, but I used to have some clients that were just an absolute pleasure to be around because they were positive, happy most of the time. And obviously it's infectious, same as negativity is infectious. And I used to have like a handful of clients and it didn't matter what time of the day it was, what day of the week it was, what the weather was like. I'd always say, oh, hey, how are you? And it would always start with a negative. It, it, it was always a negative, and and I just thought, God, like for once, could you not just come back with just just something a little bit positive? And it, it would be, oh, you know, like work's rubbish, the weather's rubbish, or oh, that it was a nightmare getting here, and oh, I'm in a family, whatever, you know, yeah. and. um I don't know, I just think, I suppose it could be equally annoying if someone is just, quite, you know, crazy positive all the time, a bit like, uh, I don't suppose you've ever seen that episode of Friends where Phoebe meets that guy who's actually, what's his name, the famous, one of the Baldwin brothers. Oh yeah. Is it one of, you know, the... Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's just got this like amazing positive outlook on life, but absolutely everything is positive and it ends up driving her mad.
2: Yeah, and I think I think I, have, I drive some people mad too because I, I go a bit like that sometimes as well. But <laughs> I can see why, because
0: it's probably not realistic sometimes, is it? Well, I think you know, like it's just striking
1: a balance, isn't it? That's that's the thing. And I think if, yeah. if if most people, I don't think people are aware of how negative they are. And I don't think that certainly some things you said about you know sort of retraining your your thought processes in a way and and assessing um the people that you hang out with the most it could could make quite a big difference and and you might find that i mean you did some great stuff on our online plans about um a lot of people were getting some stick in the month of january from everything from office colleagues to friends who wanted to take them out for drinks in the pub to partners who just thought this was another fad diet um and i'll I'll let you explain some of the advice that you gave was really fantastic for them
2: yeah one of the things i learned was that um who we become, as, who we, what we read, who we hang with, what we do basically, but um, we can control a lot of that. So if we read positive things, we l- read stuff that's going to uplift us and going to help us. And then also the big one is who we hang with. And it's hard in an office environment, but what I've found over the years if you're changing, if you're trying to make yourself a better person in any way, physically, yeah. um, eating-wise, less drinking, whatever you do and you're suddenly changing and people around you aren't, they'll feel a bit threatened, they'll feel a bit vulnerable because you're are uh, you showing them a different life but you're also making them look at their own lives and most people don't like that too much because what will happen is that you're making them think, well, I could do that, I could change as well but I'm not ready for it, I'm not quite there and those sort of people will try to bring you back to the person that they know and I mentioned this with one of my um, good friends who actually uh, died from alcohol poisoning when he was 40 I dried him out three times at different venues and different ways but what happened was he worked on the council and the guys that he worked with um on the garbage run they were notorious drinkers at the time and they used to drink like um a carton during work every morning that was just in the old days and what happened with him was that every time that he dried out those blokes who they said that they were his friends and I'm sure they thought they'd He was their friend and vice versa. But they would always grab him and get him back into the club and get him back drinking each time because they couldn't see anything else than the fact that... uh yeah, that's, that's the mate. That's the mate. He's got to drink. He's got to be there. it end up killing him because he couldn't. Um, it was obviously a lot worse for him and what the way he was drinking. So not all your friends are going to like your changes. If you're going to try to change and be more positive, you're going to be happier. You're going to not drink as much. You're going to be healthier. People won't always like that, and they're going to change you a little bit. So what you've got to do is be careful and limit your time with the people who aren't supporting you. Your good friends will support you. They'll jump on yeah. board. They'll help you.
0: It's almost like, um, I, I suppose you know, all through every stage of life, you, you're kind of constantly evolving, and it kind of reminds me of when when I was younger and uh, kind of like late teens, if you like. And my best yeah. mate ended up getting into quite a serious relationship, whereas I was still single and wanted to just go out large in it all the time. Whereas obviously he had a girlfriend, so he had someone else to spend time with and all of that. And I was a bit like, oh, you know, he's he's no fun anymore. You know, like this is this is you know this is awful. You know, I've lost my best friend, you know, and but, it, but then, you know, it was, it was soon after that you know, I met someone and blah, 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 and obviously that's life, you know, it's what happens, but at the time you do kind of, you almost rebel against it a, a, a little bit, you know, it's been, hold on look, what's this disruption that's gone off you know, and I suppose in, in this instance it's similar, it's like, hold on, this is one of our drinking buddies we go out, we get, we get drunk together, you know, we go to the kebab shop together and just laugh at things that aren't even funny, you know, and it's almost a, a similar thing, I guess.
1: No, absolutely the irony is, you'd have been going out to find the one to stay in with as well
0: <laughs> go, yeah so
1: that's
0: I'm a bit of a hermit deep, deep down <laughs> I just want someone yeah. to cuddle me <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that's all part of life we just go through those stages don't we and um, at the time they're good but when you're ready to change you've got to have a look seriously and the change is sometimes just occurs like if someone meets someone often they will change Um, One of the things I used to see with my friends who were young women was when they'd meet someone, they'd sort of get rid of all their friends for the time being. And then if something happened with that relationship, then they'd have to reconnect with their friends, which was always hard. But it's just the way we're brought up, isn't it? Like um, we tend to just like to be around the people who make us feel comfortable. And if someone's not making us feel comfortable or they're challenging us, then we find that hard, don't we? And so we think, oh, what's, what's going on with them? There's something wrong with them.
0: Well, it's, it's it's like you say. It's almost like um, you know, going back to to what Keris said about some of the people on our plans. It's you know when people start making these, having these little digs at them, a bit like, oh, uh, you know, what what's this stupid diet you're on, or oh, you, you need to live a little, you know. Oh, um, I think well, one of the ones we heard was someone said that uh, a couple of the, of their so called friends had turned around and said that she'd uh, become a little bit boring since she stopped drinking and <laughs> and things like that. And and you almost can't help but I mean, for us, you know.
1: The worst ones, I thought, were where people posted that they were losing weight and they were they had, you know, quite a lot of weight to lose um, and were looking better for it. Yet people started saying, oh, you've taken it too far now, you know, and they they still said themselves they were still quite a lot of, of weight to lose. But it's almost like nobody wanted, you know, I know it sounds awful, but the, the overweight friend to look any better, you know, yeah. and actually, you know, seek real health. It was really that was such a shame, I thought, that that your friends would comment negatively about positive changes
0: yeah but do, do you not think that people generally are quicker to make a negative remark than they are a positive and it almost kind of ties in with you know like if you go to a restaurant you know you're, you're more likely to write a bad review than you are a good review Like if, if something's good you tend not to really say anything now what's the saying If if something's good you tell one person if it's bad you tell 10 yeah or something like that you know and it's it's like people are so quick to just go boom straight to the negative and it's almost kind of like the same with you know like, like kerry said if people are on like a fat loss or a health journey and actually something i didn't tell you this kerry's but the other day i was in the gym
1: <laughs> you know you said about <laughs> interviewing paul no no because
0: no, it's relevant right it's relevant got
1: verbal diarrhea no because no, 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 the... this
0: is good i love it i love well, you <laughs> to you two guys too
1: you two are real people that's a good job. <laughs> That's not shutting up.
0: No, because I was just thinking, like, I, I was in the gym. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I've i had this quite a lot in, in the past. And it doesn't really bother me. But it kind of just, this, this it's just reminding me of it right now. I didn't tell you, guys, But I was training. And there was these two kind of young lads in the gym. And I could see him kind of like looking at me and whatnot. And that's because
2: you were in your undies again, was it? No, I, <laughs> I, I
0: was fully clothed this time. I was fully clothed. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, I was. <laughs> and um, and I could see him kind of like looking over. And then I saw one of them start to like walk over towards me. And I thought he's maybe going, maybe he's going to ask me a question about. And he turned around and he said, "Even though you're on steroids, you've got a really impressive <laughs> physique, <laughs> right?" So. It kind of stumped me because, on the one hand, it was a compliment, but on the other hand, I was a bit like a below-the-belt compliment. You know, it was like, okay, you look good, but clearly you cheated to get there. Yeah. And I kind of, I just turned around and said, "What? Why do you assume I'm on steroids?" And and his response was that um, he didn't think you could get that big without being on steroids. And, And the thing is, whilst I'm bigger than the average guy you know, I'm not huge. Like I'm, I'm, you know, about 98 to 100 kilos, six foot two, you know, there's far bigger guys out there than me. But I just thought it was almost a shame that this, this lad's first assumption was that I couldn't have possibly got there with pure hard work, grit, determination, and kind of like attention to my nutrition. And it's, it's kind of similar to, people that are on a fat loss journey it's like if someone's doing well it's kind of like you need to just throw the negative comments at them a little bit to to kind of i don't know to in, in an attempt to bring them down a peg or two or you know because you're they're jealous of their progress or whatever it may be but it's and, it, and it's sad it's a real shame that you know like you say so-called friends and colleagues uh just aren't more inclined to just say something that they think is going to make you feel good rather than bad about yourself
2: yeah, and if you're getting if you give compliments and you're getting compliments, then life's a lot better anyway, isn't it? You're happier and you feel good. And you, if you can make someone else feel better, then I always think that's a great thing as well. But what you one of the things um, I do like about your program was the fact that you teach people to cook and you give them recipes and you show them how to make good food that tastes good. And I always thought, like thinking about your program, was that if someone's getting a bit of this negativity. Um, they should share some of the food and some of the recipes with the um, people who are negative, and they'll see that you don't have to eat bad or have uh, bad tasting food to eat healthy and lose weight. That's just the, and in the end, I always think healthy food always tastes better anyway, especially if you've been mindful and you've cooked it yourself too. There's a bit of love in there, isn't there?
1: Yeah, you know? definitely. And that was something that um, I was thinking that a lot of people were making assumptions that they must be eating salads and doing some yeah. sort of.
2: Or they're taking drugs. They could look good.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah basically, yeah. yeah. And it was sort of like if you if, if if you took a bit of time out to just see what healthy eating really is. It's not hard. It's not. It's, it's no. You know. It's, it's no hardship on you. It's generally based on tasty food so yeah it was such a shame that they received that that negative feedback from friends and family especially when as a family um I mean we were talking about this earlier Paul I think as a family the need to eat this way you know really nutritious food is even greater because we were just having a chat as I was in a a school this week um uh, talking about nutrition to some some young girls at the age of 13 and I was really shocked at suppose, in some ways that their lack of interest in in eating healthily because they didn't associate it with with their goals in life, which were, you know, sort of when you're 13, it's about looking hot and, uh, you know, sort of very much quite celebrity focused as well, thanks to people like Kim Kardashian and other yeah. celebrities out there. So they didn't really understand nutrition as a role there or, or that you could ever have it as a career. But the one thing that really struck me was it was all about iPads, phones and, Um, You know, and sugar. (laughs) And it was such a shame. And I said to you, Paul, it's frightening because there's differences between, you know, our generation. So just imagine the generations to come and, and, you know, how how are they even going to stand a chance of being mindful, given that they're, you know, sort of riding on sugar and and basically electronic, you know, electronic goods.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I think that's a challenge for us where – but I, I d- always believe that people will be – we will shift back. We will shift back to um, uh, higher consciousness, if you call it that. Yeah. I was thinking about um, even over my time, uh, I remember in this, uh, the, the late 60s, early 70s, it was the hippie generation where everyone was into mindfulness more and um, they probably into their drugs a little bit more, but <laughs> – life changes, doesn't it? And it goes through different shifts. And I think this generation will probably eventually learn the lessons that uh, being connected all the time, being on your phones or your tablets or your computers all the time isn't very healthy. And I think there will be a shift. And that's where people like yourselves who are out there putting... Um, Teaching people to cook, people how to train properly, how to um, live a healthier lifestyle. I think that will help with the shift, and I think that comes on a on that level. And that's why programs you you find that your programs are attractive to people. Maybe not the thirteen year olds who (laughs) going through so much. Uh, change anyway with all their hormones and everything else. But I think as they get older, I think they will change and they will shift back and they will realise that there's a better way to live. i always got to believe that people um, are going to be better, you know. And yes. we've seen that over time, haven't we, you
0: know. Do, do you not think as well it's so important that when, you know, someone is embarking on a change which can occur, you know, at any stage in life, it's, it's never yep. too late in our opinion. I'm sure you'll agree. Definitely not. I think the biggest mistake a lot of people make when it comes to, you know, losing body fat, getting healthy, moving more, whatever it may be, it's rare that they kind of focus on, you know, what they want to do and why they want to do it and and kind of how it makes them feel. And it's almost like, a, you know, often, you know, when some we say to somebody, oh, so, oh, you want to lose two stone? Like, why do you want to lose two stone? Oh, because I'm going on holiday in however many months and I want to look great on the beach. And it's like, well... Okay, so it's almost like, you know, I'm kind of, like, exaggerating a little bit, but it's like they're not doing it for themselves. They're, they're doing it for the holiday. They're not doing it because they want to improve their health and look better all the time. You know, their main focus is just, just to look good in a bikini, you know, in, on their holiday or, or for a guy in a pair of board shorts, whatever it may be.
2: Yeah, or their wedding
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, and they're the classic kind of motivators for people. And, and it's almost yeah. like a shame that people have these, it's, it's from the off, they're, they're kind of destined to, to fail long term, because it's a very short term tunnel fissioned uh, goal that they've got. And, and what we try and do is trying to get people to say, well, actually, let's let's go beyond that. Let's think of all the positive outcomes that can happen through you. Taking on these new changes, and and we almost need to keep reminding people of of the why, you know, they embarked on a journey because when they are met with situations like at work or through friends who kind of make these little comments or aren't as supportive as we'd like of these changes, and because it can have, you know, it's not nice to to have kind of like negative comments thrown your way, and especially like when when we've worked with people on our plans, and you know, they're, they're we've got like our private Facebook pages where we we. We get people to, to kind of ask questions and kind of just, just share their emotions and how they're feeling, you know, in this group so we can be there as a, as a, as a team, as it were, to, to help them through it. And, when people do say these negative things that can be very hurtful and and dent people's confidence, it's people lose sight of, of all the positive changes that they've made and how it makes them feel. So someone might turn around and say, oh, a few people of work have said that I've gone too far with it. I don't look healthy. Um, you know, I need to rein it in or, you know, but then we'll ask them. Yeah. But, but how do you feel? You know, what are your energy levels like? You know, how do your clothes fit? Are you training better? Are you sleeping better? Are you less stressed? And and often people will turn and go, well, yeah, I feel fantastic, but I'm just conscious of the fact that other people think I don't look very good or I don't look healthy at this weight or whatever it may be. And And it's like, well, who cares? You know, who gives a shit, really? Because you know that you feel great. You know that you look great. You can see a difference in your kind of before and after photos. Why is there such a focus on the negative aspects of things, you know, and, and people lose sight of actually what's in front of them. Does that make sense?
2: It does, and it's one of the things that, um, like, your program does good because it teaches people a different lifestyle. But the negative part, I think... That's the thing you've got to change. The easiest way I said to change that is hang around more positive people, which is not always possible at work, but your friends and and get them to change as well. Because most people want to live healthier. They want to look better. I'm sure they do. Um, They just don't know how to do it or it seems too hard for them. So embarking on programs where you're not only teaching lifestyle changes, you're teaching lifestyle habits, which... Should last for a lot longer. Um, It's the old one, like if you're going to teach them, if you're just going to feed someone who's hungry, then they that's going to be reliant on your food forever. But if you teach them how to grow their own food and be self reliant, then they they're going to eventually not need you because you know they've got their own sources of income. And their own sources of food so what you need to do is and what you're doing well is you're teaching people habits that have to be a whole lifestyle initially it might be for a wedding or it might be for a holiday or for someone else but if you can teach them enough good habits and they bring those habits on board then eventually they'll realize that the changes are more permanent than they think and that's changing the brain pattern around again as well isn't it but again is critical who you hang with what you read um what you do you know like and that's where some of those changes have got to be brought on permanently and if you're teaching someone how to cook properly and to prepare nice healthy meals and that's a great way to go about it definitely you're teaching someone how to train properly or and not just be in the gym and having to smash it out but being out and moving and and doing different things and then you're changing people's lives which is such an important thing now the negativity will always be there from some people and that's just the way some people are but you've just got to be um learn to be bigger than that and learn to get away from that tetris effect where your brain changes and you become a different person.
1: Hopefully the the people with the negative outlook have made a note of the books that you read as a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I think they might be a bit old fashioned now, but there's certainly so <laughs> out there. Even like um like uh, The Secret, which was really popular, I've seen that have some great effect on people. And it's just about changing mindsets, isn't it, you know? Yeah. And it's not just about being and everything and unrealistically positive, but it's learning to appreciate more things in life. And once you start appreciating, once you start counting your blessings, then you're going to be happier anyway. And once you get healthier, you're happier as well. You're future-proofing your body, aren't you? And again, I've talked about that um, before, about our future selves. Most of us have trouble looking at our future selves but i've got like the six-year party where do you want to be in six years who are you going to be in six years what do you where do you see yourself what do you see yourself envision if you can start thinking about that as well then you're gonna it's easier to make the changes now isn't it because you see a better person most of the time in that in that future
1: it's funny because Matt's always doing that. He's like, where do you want to be in five years' time? And I'm always thinking about <laughs> today. I'm, I can't get past today and the, the fact that I've got a <laughs> big to-do list. So I don't want to talk about five years' time. That's um, yeah, because future selves, eh? Yeah. And um, Paul, one thing I was going to ask, would you tell us about your experience, one thing, to, uh, <laughs> your experience working with um, athletes and sports teams? Like, Did you sort of offer much of this guidance alongside, obviously you were doing the, the coaching side of things, um Uh, And did you use it to sort of enhance their performance in any way?
2: Um, It's interesting because um, when I was still at uni, I was, as I said, I was doing my uh, master's in sports science. I was actually working with a um, professor of uh, sports psychology and I was actually working with the team as an intern, as a sports psychologist. But and it was the Cronulla Sharks, and then the next year um, the job came up in the paper, and I went through four interviews, ended up getting the job. But I got the job as a strength and conditioning coach, so I thought I'd be better off concentrating on strength and conditioning rather than the mental side of it, because um, I have to get this S and C side right first, the strength and conditioning side right. So even though I've worked in 20 years with sport, it's mostly on the physical side, but I've always tried to teach the positive outlook. I've tried to. Um, Teach them to stay in the moment. And when, because we did a lot of weight training with the sports I was in, rugby league, it's an easy way to teach because. You've got to be in the moment in the gym. And one of my big things is when you're training and lifting weights is stay in the moment because if you're not in the moment, you can lead yourself to getting injuries. And if you're sprinting, if you're not in the moment, you can lead yourself to run with bad technique and get injuries if your mind shifting. So one of the things I liked about proper weight training is that it teaches you to be in the moment. You stay in the moment while you lift, especially if you're doing the Olympic lifts where you've got some really Um, weights getting lifted, if you wander, if your mind wanders, then it's going to be, can be catastrophic. A bad injury can occur, which I've seen as well. So it goes hand in hand, even though I probably haven't done as much with the sports people, I've always been aware of it and I've always worked individually on trying to get them to think better and to be more mindful and to make better decisions about how they live their lives, you know?
1: And do you think they're they're easier to work with in that sense when you've got a performance goal as well or or not necessarily
2: um, I think yeah I think what you do is you find an environment where most of the people really want to achieve. And so that's a lot easier because you've got like a, uh, a different culture or a different um, subgroup of people where you've got all the high achievers and people who really, but that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be people who struggle and there's going to be people who don't train as hard and are not as professional in any environment. But the majority are there because they want to be a top sports person. They want to be the best they can be. Um, Some of my best things I've seen is, um, guys who've done everything right and trained hard, ate well. They've just trained the best they could possibly be. One guy I know played one game of first grade, which is all he ever did, and the other guy never made first grade. He played mostly second grade. But since leaving um, the sport, leaving Rugby League, they've both gone on to be highly successful um, businessmen in the fitness and health industry. And I think it's all the good things they learnt during uh, their Thing as a, a so-called pro sports person, I think that's just carried over into their lives because they've got all those skills. And so I think any time that you put the best you can into something and you learn to give your best and to be a professional and to be the best you can be, that's living, isn't it? That's If you're going to cook, cook. If you're going to eat rice, you eat rice. That's a very zen thing, but it's a very mindful thing as well. So it's giving your best, isn't it? So I find that, yeah, um, as far as I've, I've probably... Just being me, I've probably influenced people, but I haven't actually gone down that road as such, you know, where I've tried to keep my strength and conditioning a little bit away from my sports psychology, you know
1: I was going to say you'd be like the perfect combination for me because I'd be be able to sort of have the best of both, in, in between sets you could give me some guidance on mindfulness like, yeah. <laughs> as I'm resting between deadlifts or something so I thought yeah. people would really, you know, just be perfect, you can get it all done in one hour
2: <laughs> yeah. You know yourself because you train that if you're going to do a deadlift if you're not mindful when you're lifting yeah. And yeah. your brain wanders, you get in all sorts of trouble eh?
0: I was going to say as well, actually, I mean, it's funny you say that because often if you was to probably make a note of when you do hit, say, like your deadlift PBs or your squat PBs, it probably tends to happen when you're a little bit less stressed and you've probably just got less on your mind that's actually distracting you from what you're doing and it's like you because a lot of people go to the gym don't they as their you know it's, it's for most people it's a release you know it's 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 their time to dedicate to themselves if they're at the gym it can be quite sociable when you yeah. when you train you get you endorphin rush and and like you say it's for a lot of people it's that they are in the moment when they're at the gym but um a, a kind of a, a saying that we like to use is that you know don't let what frees you become your ball and chain because is well because what we say is that you know a lot for a lot of people that training is a release because it does make them feel better and that's fantastic however a lot of people kind of get so hooked on that they then start obsessing over that you know oh i I must go to the gym five times a week i must train for a minimum of 50 minutes to an hour anything less just isn't worth it and oh um, i'm not sore from yesterday's workout i didn't train hard enough i must train harder next time you know (laughs) and it's and it's almost like people lose sight of what what training is all about and you've almost got to be mindful of when to step back from the gym as well we We often work with people who are adamant that they have to go to the gym six times a week, you know absolutely kick their ass, and then they wonder why they're not probably getting the results that they want to. But when you actually ask them if they're enjoying their training, a lot of the time they turn around and say no. They just feel it's something they should do in order to get results. For a lot of people, you know, we've turned around and said, you know what, half the amount of gym sessions that you do yeah. um, and just walk every day and kind of just be a bit more mindful, listen to a podcast, just kind of take yourself away from from things that stress you. And lo and behold, like people start to lose weight, people start to see a positive change. And it's almost kind of just like the word mindful is so broad, isn't it, in, in terms of where you can like implement it in your life?
2: Yeah, one of my big things has always been that you've got to enjoy your training. If you're not enjoying your training, then it's um, not being beneficial to you. I know um, over the years, um, one of the big ones they always said was never train when you're sick if you've got a virus because it can affect your heart. And I've seen that happen to some really good athletes. But I've always trained, um, like obviously when you're a pro, you've got to sort of turn up and be there, even sometimes when you're sick. But what I've found is that, you still, if you enjoy it, then it's not going to be a negative on you and that's the same as like when I run sandhills. I've always enjoyed it and even though you push yourself, you get into that bad zone and you feel you know, the demons hit you at stages, the overall thing is it's been fun and it's been enjoyable and that's one of the things I try to teach as well and it goes right back to what you've just said. Um, if you're just doing it and you're not enjoying it, it's become your ball and chain and it's not very good for you. And I don't think, especially as you get older, I don't think it's actually good for your heart if you're enjoying it and if you're having a happy time every time you train and you're thinking, oh, this is enhancing my life, then it's got to be good for you. And that's on a not just on a, um, a mental level, that's on a cellular level. And I'm sure our mental side affects ourselves as well. It's changing your patterns as well about training. You're enjoying your training in your brain, so it's putting down different patterns as well. But exactly, that's a good saying.
1: I'll have to uh, steal that saying. <laughs> <laughs> one, uh, one thing that would be quite cool to um, tell the listeners, because you told me and Matt, perhaps mention some other times when people are most mindful. I know we've mentioned a few on here, but we haven't yeah. mentioned the number one. And as we are, in, um, given that it's a certain month of the year when everyone's thinking about that special person, if you are <laughs> looking at a break from the gym, there's something else you could do to be mindful.
2: Yes, well, um, as we said, love making, as they said, is number one <laughs>
1: mindfulness. But,
2: <laughs> but, but I did read, as I said to you too, I did read a study where they said twenty percent of people are texting while they're <laughs> making love. What? So, <laughs> and How? that's maybe it's Snapchat or something these days. I'm not sure. How does that if, go unnoticed if by if the other person? Hopefully, it's <laughs> not their boyfriend or, or husband or wife. But um, mm. obviously, love making. Um, Big one was um, extreme sports, which makes sense to me. If you're not mindful of doing extreme sports, then you're probably dead. The other thing is exercising is really good one, so that's a good thing. And probably um, things like what we said too is um, – some of the studies have shown that cooking, uh, art, uh, doing your hobbies. I like the fact that cooking is mindful. I, I always think if you're not mindful when you're chopping um, vegetables with the big sharp knife, you're going to be in a bit of trouble too, aren't you? <laughs> so it's probably a little bit more extreme, you know, especially the top chefs who just go so quick. So, um so there's some of the areas, and I think you can be mindful anywhere. And but my big one is out in nature because um, I always talk about the blue zones—the people that live the longest all year all around the world. They have different zones, and one of their things in common is that they get out in nature together and as a family, and they don't have technology. And I think that's because not only is it good for you, the exercise, the movement, but it's also they become mindful. If you're out in nature without any um, distractions and you're just with people you, you love, then you're generally very mindful. So that's a, that's a good one, yeah.
1: I mentioned to you, actually, uh, when I'd lost my phone over Christmas and uh, we'd been chatting um, on Skype and you were sort of encouraging me to run without music, which I've not done ever. <laughs> like Since I started running 15 years ago, I've always run with music. Um, yeah. And you said start going out, doing either run or walk, whatever you feel like doing, but but no no podcast, no music. Because yeah. podcasts for me are about learning, nutrition, so it's yeah. still work. And I have to say, the difference was phenomenal. Like the things you said, you know, listen to your breath, listen and, and smell what you can smell. And you, you just take in so much of, of nature that I was missing on my runs and even right down to the number of people that smiled and said hello that I must just ignore when I'm running and <laughs> headphones plugged in. And a lot of people complimented Hamish and, and wanted to know what Breedy was. And before, you know, I'd always be like, I'm on a run, I haven't got time to stop and do this. Whereas yeah. I stopped and I, I, you know, I talked to people and, and had, you know, God forbid, a bit of social interaction in my day, <laughs> which, you know. Um, and another thing I noticed was when I actually met up with people, and this is friends, family, you know, you're not distracted by the bleeping phone and um, emails and Facebook notifications coming in. And if you look these days, just watch some people chatting in a coffee shop and, you know, it's it's half on your phone it's half looking at the person. And I really think it's affecting, like you've said, how the brain works, people's ability to hold their attention, you know, one task at a time and have the attention to sort of see out, you know, an entire conversation. And it's something that Matt and I laugh about, the number of people you chat to that glaze over and start looking out the window. Um, I often joke that it's Matt waffling the <laughs> causes that effect, but I genuinely think it's a real issue that people can't concentrate on one thing for more than sort of a few minutes um, anymore.
2: And definitely in a relationship, if you go to a coffee and you're not talking to each other and you're just on your phones, you're not... Um, you're not nurturing your relationship are you and I told you before about those 36 questions which um, they reckon you if you answer these 36 questions together to each other then you fall in love but and that's just being mindful isn't it and getting to know that person and being there for that person and really listening you know where, where mindful, can people
1: find it? the um, the questions in case they want to do it as a, a Valentine's Day date maybe
2: well I've sent the link through to you so we can upload you'd probably be able to just click um, it on to the link. Yeah, link it to
0: one of the things. I don't, yeah, so yeah. So, Paul, because um, we'll probably wrap up now, buddy, because we're yep. kind of hitting that hour mark. Yeah, but we'll I, about, yeah. just to kind of wrap it up, because I know that you've done a bit of mindfulness work with Keris. Because she does struggle to switch that brain off of hers and and you kind of um you kind of gave her like little bits of homework to do to kind of go away and do so for the people that are listening um if you could kind of give them free bits of homework you know like in a, in, a, in a nutshell that they could kind of implement straight away, what would it be?
2: Is this where you wanted me to say you've got to make love more? Than that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> there you go, number one, perfect. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I like the um, the best one I do is the thirty seconds. Just practice your breathing every day. So that's the number one: in and out, and just listen to your breathing and. Look at the thoughts, come and go. Let them flip across your brain. That's the number one for me. Uh, number two would be out in nature and run, walk. Don't worry where you're going. Just let the walk or run do it. If you feel like running, you run. If you feel like walking, you walk. But stay there attuned, tune. Be mindful. If you've got a dog, take your dog with you. If you're running with someone else, be there. Don't have um, any distractions like your phone or your music. Uh, listen to the nature. Listen, look around, smell. Um, and probably number three is, um, find a hobby. The the big one is like, if it's cooking, it can be cooking. If it's art, be art. If it's something that if you like reading, be right, reading, but do it mindfully, have all your attention there. They actually said when you uh, read mindfully, you uh, learn more and you retain a lot more as well. If you cook mindfully, that means that, um, your meals are going
0: to be fantastic as well. So,
2: even when
0: you make bad ones, so, <laughs> dad, that's enough. See, I, yeah, I love that, mate, and especially that last one because um, something that we put out to to the people that do our online plans is we've always said that you know, like especially with your training and and kind of what you do, it's so good to have a a focus that isn't about fat loss or what the weighing scales say so we often say to people to have a performance goal Um, and we often recommend things like uh, learning powerlifting or olympic lifting or maybe getting into rock climbing or taking up a hobby that you once used to love when you were younger but uh, you know life got in the way and you stopped and you know it's easy enough to put that information out there but well, we've had a phenomenal response from people on our online plans and people that have got really into the, to the Olympic weightlifting, the powerlifting, as mentioned, and they can yep. start seeing that they're getting stronger, their technique's getting better, they feel better. And we actually had one of the girls who got back into ballet After having years off of it, just because, you know, she loved it and, you know, had kids, life got in the way, so to speak, and and it went on the back burner.
1: You're going to head back to salsa now as well, you said, didn't you? I'm going to
0: go back to, yeah, (laughs) you you can't see this, but I'm doing a few little salsa steps right now. (laughs) (laughs) You're not
2: allowed to be on steroids in salsa,
1: Matt.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly, imagine. That's cheating. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably be the, the beefiest salsa dancer There is. (laughs) They're they're normally quite slim, slender men, aren't they? Um, But, but, you know, I just think, like, that's so amazing, you know, to to be able to dedicate, you know, that hour or two or whatever a week, you know, like a performance goal or just like you said, a hobby that just kind of takes you away from it all and... Yeah, we're, we're, we're really pleased with the response, aren't we?
1: Yeah, and I was just going to say, do you want to uh, tell all the listeners where they can um, follow you a little bit more, perhaps either uh, Facebook or if they want to email you to get in touch if they want a little bit of coaching on mindfulness?
2: Uh, yeah, um, uh, I'm on it all. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what my addresses are. My email address is orchestra50 at gmail.com. Orchestra is O-R-C-A-S-T-A-R-50 at gmail.com. Orcastar Twitter account and Facebook. It's Paul Watson, but it's also Orchestra. So I'm on Instagram as Orchestra, which is OAS, D A S T A R. Um, and on Facebook, it's Paul Watson or orchestra or Orca um Thirteen. Sometimes <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll post all I those bet. on the page as well. So people. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's probably the better. I, I can't really remember my address. Said, I, 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 I've forgotten <laughs> it's them already. It's always Orkastar, though, because that's my kennel name. I was a, I am a dog breeder occasionally, and that was my kennel name. And ah. it's just good. And Orca was my first Dalmatian, so. I
0: was, was going to ask. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> awesome but Paul honestly um thank you so much buddy um it's been a pleasure to have you on we've been we've been dying to get you on our podcast ever since we kind of first met you because you know as we've said through throughout this podcast that it's, it's so important that you are kind of mindful and you and there's a saying Paul that you often say like uh that I've heard you say to Keris before is that you've got to treat yourself like you like you treat your best friend you know yes and and just kind of dedicating a little bit of time to yourself you know a few times a week and be it a you know a yeah. 30 minute Epsom salts bath two or three times a week or or whatever yeah, yeah, you know, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 really important. You kind of add that to the equation of good nutrition and training. So, Paul, thank you so much for that, buddy. Yeah, um, thank you.
2: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I really love uh, what you're doing with people.
0: It's oh, great. thank you, mate. And and you know, we, we've had such good feedback as well from the work that you've done with us on our on our online plans. So long may long may that continue.
1: And one um, thing which we probably mentioned is we're trying to uh, just nail a date and venue for a, another Fit of Food Academy uh, day of presentations and. Uh, and and if we can make yep. it work, we're hoping to get you there, Paul, so you can.
2: I will. Me. I'll, be, I'll um, check my calendar. As long as I'm not in Poland, picking up uh, Lucky.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that's your new Great Dane, isn't it? Yes. Excellent. Yes. Bring Lucky um, along.
0: Bring yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, him. Yeah. Yeah. We'll I will will <laughs> Awesome, Paul. So, yeah, thanks again, buddy, and um, I hope everyone enjoyed that as much as we did. Um, If you did, please, please, please share it with other people that you think would take value from it. And as always, please take just literally 30 seconds to leave us a a, a review and maybe say something nice about us on iTunes because that goes a hell of a long way, guys. So thank you very much once again, Paul, and we will speak to you very soon, and we'll speak to everybody over in Episode 45. See you later.